You're listening to the Football Revolution. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Kick off. Hello, and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Geo. Great to have your company, Mahaban. To you, hello. In honour of Morocco's upset of Belgium earlier today, and joining me is my co-host, who's been putting in a few all-nighters. Good evening to you, Vig. Good evening, uh, all aboard the Marrakesh Express. So get on, <laughs> get on the train, mate. I've just been enjoying watching the Gersbach Express. I saw this morning. Uh, you and your uh, younger brother Alex, who obviously plays in uh, France, and, and the next generation of Gersbach's uh, Giannis, all watching a game together. If only the old man had come around, you would have had the, uh, the, the awesome foursome. Yeah, that's right. I think we uh, all sat on the couch and pretended to be German for, uh, for our morning. But um, <laughs> no, good, good, good game and, and uh, keeps, uh, keeps Germany in, uh, in, in the reckoning to, to get through the group stage. So um, Spain, Spain were also good, but um, yeah, one all draw, probably fair in the end. Mate, I've been looking the whole World Cup to try and find out something good about the World Cup being hosted in Qatar in November instead of June or July, and I've now found it. It means that usually your brother would be over in France playing in the domestic league, but he's been able to come back for a week. So if nothing else, we can always look back on this World Cup and say it's a time you got to spend some uh, time with your brother and he got to spend some time with your family. So it's a good World Cup. Win-win. Win-win. All right, the World Cup is serving up some great games, upsets and star performances, but uh, I, they can't seem to shake the off-field drama and politics. What's going on there? Every time there's something good on the pitch, there's something equally as bad off it. Yeah, look, I'm not too sure, but there's always, you know, with social media these days, there's always there's always a negative twist on, on anything. Um, anytime something good happens, there's always something bad that's happening as well. So, um you know, there's a, a lot of keyboard warriors out there, and a lot, a lot of people that like to uh, put some, you know, throw some negativity on uh, every single event. Um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm just glad we, we spoke about it last week. I'm just glad that the football started now. Um, you know, let, let's 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 see the football do the talking. That's what we want to watch. That's what the fans care about most. Um, you know, the the off-field political stuff. Uh, you know, the, let's let's keep that with the politicians. Let's let's. You know they they need to make changes or they need to learn from from the mistakes they've made and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, yes, football is a, a wonderful platform to uh, raise awareness for these types of issues. Um, but but let's you know let's let's stick to football. That's that's what the players do best. That's what the fans do best. Uh, let's embrace it. It's it's a unique uh, competition that. Um, you know, only football can can bring people together like this. So let's let's celebrate it, let's enjoy it, and um, you know, let's just let's just watch it and and see what happens. Mate, well said. And I think uh, no matter what happens off the pitch, there's obviously things that need to be addressed. Uh, you know, now as well as after the tournament. But uh, football is the best at uh, bringing these amazing stories. You know, and we'll t- we'll touch on it a bit later. But Juki when he's uh, waving to his son in the crowd, and there's there's millions of these stories that happen. So, like I said, it doesn't matter what else happens. I think uh, this will be remembered as one of those you know those events where it brings everybody together. But there is definitely some uh, things on the checklist that need to be looked at. Uh, like I said, at a, at a later date, if not now. Mate, bravo to our Aussie lads as a soccer earn a hard-fought uh, win against uh, a solid Tunisia, leaving destiny in our own hands, heading into the last group game against Denmark, who are a, an excellent side, but have been a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Look, it's a, a huge win, huge uh, win for Australian football. Um, you know, 
great goal from from Mitch Duke. Uh, we we played some decent football and we we had to scrap in the second half. We had to work hard, but um, that that's what it takes sometimes to to win a game at the World Cup. Our, our first win in twelve years, um, and and we need to fight. Um, yeah, the football you know in the second half wasn't wasn't so pretty, but um, we go one 0 up at half time and and we afford ourselves the luxury of then you know scrapping out a, a win and. Um, you know, some some great tackles, a great tackle from Harry Suda and um, I thought, thought back four and, and Matty Ryan were, were pretty solid. So um, we, we take the win, but we need to build on that. And, um, you know, we, we've got a bit of, bit of momentum now. And then, like you said, Denmark haven't been playing that well. So um, may, maybe we, we catch them on an off day again and, and they've had an off campaign. So um, all, all we need is a draw, but we need to, to go out there with the mentality that we can win this game. Uh, we can play attractive football, and and I want to see that from the Socceroos. Yeah, look, super happy for the lads and, and for the whole of Australia in general. But, uh, look, let's not get carried away. I hear people sitting there saying Suter's tackle was like Maldini. Uh, okay, let's just let's just back off a little bit. Let's just <laughs> oh, let's, <laughs> let's wind it back a bit. Let's wind it back a bit. There, there was also another brilliant tackle this morning in the in the Germany-Spain game, uh, Nico Schulterback. Um, absolutely brilliant. It was arguably probably better than Suter's. It was inside the box as well. So, um, you know, let's let's not get too carried away. Uh, still one game to play. Um, we, we still, you know, our football still leaves a little bit to be desired. But, you know, we're, we're hopefully heading in the right direction. And a win in the World Cup can, you know, it, it lifts the nation, um, gets everybody talking about football again. Um, but, you know, we, we need to capitalise on that now moving forward. Mate, we don't have Maldini, we have Suta, and that's what we need at the moment. So Maldini's not going to do anything for us. But, uh, yeah, like you said, look, we've just got to go into this Denmark game, try and get uh, a result. Hopefully uh, France do us a favour and all we need is a draw out of a Denmark game. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm happy to be uh, a pig with lipstick on it. You know, it doesn't have to be the prettiest result, just has to be a result. And considering, like you said, it's been 12 years since we've had a win, so we'll take it any way we can. Uh, week two of our A-League Women's Wrap coming up a little later in the show. It's our first week of our World Cup Peely Awards. Uh, it's finally arrived, so uh, that's pretty exciting. And like I said, uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, it, it, look, you could call it whatever you like. Pele Awards, Peely Awards, we're, we're calling it the Peely Awards uh, based on a few jokes from a movie we'll touch on a little bit later. But uh, yeah, very excited to bring you those awards from the first what week and a half of the World Cup. Uh, is there anything I didn't see, VIG? I don't know. You, you tell me you've been watching every single minute of every fixture, so I, I think you've probably covered it all. But um, no, no, some some interesting things uh, we'll, we'll probably touch on a bit later um, in the Peely Awards. Mate, uh, my screen time's come up this week saying screen time's gone through the roof. So I know I've been watching a lot of football, <laughs> reading a lot of football, but uh, it only happens every four years, right? So then uh, I just have to probably back off again for the next four years until uh, the next one in, uh, what, Canada, America and Mexico. But uh, this week in the Player Escape Room, we are joined by Melbourne Victory's brilliant numero uno, Paul Izzo, which will be a great chat for us. But uh, in the meantime, let's get a quick snapshot of the A-League women's table. So Western United on top on six, Adelaide in second on six, both those teams undefeated. Brisbane back in third on four, so they've had a win and a draw, so they also remain undefeated. Melbourne City are on three, only played one game, so they are also undefeated. And rounding out the top six is the Jets on three and Sydney FC on three. My weekly rap has been replaced by Shoutout, dedicating a song to a team or a player for their good and bad performance. This week I'm going a little bit uh, different to what I have been. It won't be based on the men's uh, A-League or the women's, uh, women's A-League. This week's shout-out goes to Gianni Infantino and the team at uh, FIFA. It's Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? What's going on? 
Firstly, his speech, which I still absolutely, my jaw hit the ground when that happened and I didn't know if I could pick it up off the ground. I think I might have just now, but uh, absolute shocker. And also the FIFA World Cup uh, goal music choices. So just give you a couple of these, which, you know, I wouldn't mind your opinion on VIG. So Australia chose Men at Works Down Under or Powder Fingers on My Mind. England chose Dia Looper's One Kiss. Germany chose Nickelback When We Stand Together. South Korea chose BTS's Idol. May's uh, Feels So Good was chosen by America. And two of the lines that I, I looked at in the, in the lyrics was light, lighting up drugs, also fighting in the club. Oh, I don't know who picked these. I don't know if they got paid for it. I don't know if it was by a volunteer. But some of these selections, and they said um, that uh, FIFA didn't knock back any of their, their requests. First of all, they don't make any sense. But second of all, the, the, the Feels So Good one, there's no possible way I'd want young kids and that listening to these sorts of lyrics. But any which way, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, look, maybe the person who chose these songs were uh, on the on the drugs when they chose them. So I don't know. <laughs> who knows what's going on? Um, you know, I'd love to hear uh, Land Down Under a little bit more. So hopefully the uh, Socceroos um, score a few goals against Denmark. Yeah, look, I'm not a fan of, of any of those. And look, some of them have gone for, you know, things that meant something to their team, which I actually like. But the ones who have just gone out there for a cool song, it's not a party, right? It's a, it's a, there's, there's enough excitement and enough happening in the football pitch without having to start and doing these new things. But uh, yeah, look, we move on. But uh, shout out goes to Infantino and the, and the FIFA team. Not sure what you're doing. Not sure what's going on. But uh, I think you need to work it out pretty quickly. So our A-League women's wrap. For you guys playing on at home, a couple of topics we look at for each of these games. So the score, a player that was worth the admission, uh, a lesson from the game, as well as a game fact. So the first game was uh, actually between the two debutants from the previous week. So both Wellington and Western United, uh, first ever games in the uh, Women's A-League uh, the previous week. Both had uh, totally different results going into going into this game. But uh, the score here was 4-1 to the Western United, the away team. For me, the player that was worth the omission alone was uh, Hannah Keane. She had two goals and an assist. Her header was a cracker. She tore the Phoenix apart. So I wish they were wishing she didn't turn up. They were wishing she had uh, better things to do, like watching the uh, World Cup, or maybe she had, she had something else on. But uh, she was a different league. And I don't know, maybe if you'd thrown uh, Hannah Keane into the Wellington team, the score might have been different. But luckily for the uh, Green and Black, she was uh, wearing the colours of the Melbourne team. But uh, the lesson from the game... The Phoenix, you'll struggle to score goals and win games if you only have three shots in a game. So they had three shots, two on target. They scored uh, their first ever A-League goal. So they did score the week before, but it was an own goal. So no one from the Phoenix had scored in their opening game. But uh, in the game against Western United, they did get a consolation to make it one all. Well, not consolation, but they did get a goal to make it one all, which was a header. Um, but uh, yeah, you definitely need to be shooting and, and, and having more shots if you want to get something out of a game. And the game fact for me was Hannah Keane was not signed by Melbourne City six years ago, so she pursued opportunities overseas, which gave her the experience of playing against teams like PSG in the Champions League and included a Spanish Cup final against Barcelona after defeating Real Madrid. So I, I, at the time, the coach was uh, Joe Montemuro, who's now uh, a star over at uh, Juventus, so I'm not sure what he was thinking. I, I think he's gone for a more experienced uh, player over her, but uh, she's come back and proven that she definitely was up to it and better than late than never. Uh, I just find it really strange that, like I said, in a league that we're trying to build and trying to get to the same standard as the rest of the world, we can't sign a player like that six years ago. But uh, as I said, it's, it's great she's in the, uh, the Women's A League now and I expect to see bigger things from her throughout uh, the rest of the season. I think you've summed it up pretty well. Um, you know, you got to take your chances. You got to create chances to to score goals. So, 
um, you know, hopefully uh, both teams uh, learn from that and, and move on next week. The second of the four Saturday games this week was the Brisbane Roar versus Canberra United. Tell us how you saw that one, VIG. Yeah, look, interesting game. Um, so my the, the score was one all. Uh, Canberra United took the lead through uh, Jail or Jale in the twenty third, and then uh, Larissa Crummer uh, equalised for Brisbane Roar in the fifty third. Um, my player to watch was uh, Larissa Crummer. She scored the equaliser. She also hit the crossbar with a chance. Um, and, and she's been in and around the Matilda squad uh, recently. So she could be uh, one to watch and, and possibly a bolter for the 2023 Women's World Cup. So um, she, she's she's a, she's a tidy little player, uh, scores goals. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her this season. She scored in last week's win as well. So she's uh, in, in good goal scoring she's form in good this form. early on yeah. in the season. Yep. Yeah, uh, my lesson from the game, uh, Canberra needs to, to make more of their chances. Um, this rolls into my game fact. They had 18 shots with only four on target and a shooting accuracy of only 25%. So um, they had a lot of possession um, and they, you just got to capitalise on that and, and really make the keeper work a little bit harder uh, for, for the possession that they had. They need a shooting gallery this week, don't they? They just need to put some targets up around everywhere. It doesn't matter if you put a drink bottle up on the fence or you put whatever you're doing. They just need to be shooting. Yeah, shoot on sight. I think at training, I think you, you put two goals up in a, in the space of, you know, like 18-yard box and you get everyone in there and literally just get the ball and every time you get it, turn and shoot. So um, that's my advice to, to the coaching staff this week. Get, get that game happening at training. If they don't hit uh, at least the target 50% of the time, you can't watch that night's uh, World Cup game. So that's a good punishment, isn't it? That is, definitely. <laughs> All right, maybe if we don't hit our targets 50% of the time, we can't watch them either, but then we'll be in a bit of strife. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to the third of the uh, the Saturday games, it was the Newcastle Jets up against Western United. It was Western United's first game of the season uh, after a bye last week. Newcastle coming off a loss to Brisbane. Uh, they got their first win of the season. It was 4-2 to the home team, the Jets. For me, uh, it was a no-brainer here. The, uh, the player that was worth the admission alone was young American Sarah Griffith. She's only 23, year old, 23 years old. She uh, she got a hat-trick. One was a left foot, one was a right foot volley and a header. So it was almost a complete set, uh, left, right foot and header. Um, if she'd hit, like I said, uh, both volleys, that would have probably topped things off. But uh, she was fantastic and um, really, really enjoyable watching her. And every time she got the ball, you thought there was a chance she could she could hit the target or, or score something. So I loved watching her. The uh, For me, the lesson for the, from the game would be Wanderers need to work on staying alert for the full game. They, uh, they were in it for large patches. They switched off at points, which cost them goals, like not tracking a player. So all of a sudden you think, oh, we're doing quite well here. They've got a nice kit. Maybe they're looking at each other's kits saying, these kits are nice kits this year. You know, the Wanderers spent some dosh on us or, you know, whatever they were looking at. They just weren't They just weren't at the races the whole day. So if you want to make sure that you're going to pick up points in any league around the world, you've got to be on your game, you know, for, for the, whole, the whole 90 minutes or 90 plus minutes. So... That was that. And uh, for me, the game fact that I really, really like was the Jets win is also exciting as they have seven players from last season's Northern New South Wales competition in their squad. So while it's great to have star imports like Griffiths, it's also important to develop your own players. And that's something that I know is very close to both mine and your heart, VIG. So really, really exciting to see those players because not only is it great for our league, but it's also great for our national setup for the Matildas and so on. Yeah, definitely. You always want to see uh, homegrown talent, and um, now they've been given the opportunity to to go and play in a, in a W League. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to seeing how they progress throughout the season, and um, the more minutes uh, that these players get, uh, the more value they have. 
And the final of the final of the four Saturday games was another big blues. So we've had one in the men's just recently, and uh, which was a cracking game. I think it was the opening game of the season in the uh, A League men's competition. But uh, we had Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory on the Saturday night, two uh, 0 win to Sydney FC. So not a great start to the season for Victory, coming off back to back losses. The, the reigning champions offer a loss to West United last week in their Mel- first Melbourne derby uh, between the two clubs, and now a, a big blue loss as well. But I'm sure they'll bounce back. So for me, the uh, the player that I uh, I'd get up off my seat and go and sit there clapping on the sidelines without doubt would be the uh, Sydney FC captain Natalie Tobin. So she kept it tight at the back, not allowing Victory many opportunities when they do have a lot of attacking options. And she played an impressive 42 accurate passes out from the back, which is definitely something that Victory needed in their back line because their uh, distribution from the back was absolutely comical at times. So I think if uh, if she'd been running the dark blue instead of the light blues uh, defence, then uh, the game could have uh, panned out a different way. The, uh, the, the lesson from the game for me was uh, leading on to that, which was victory's casual sloppy passing out from the back. It cost them both goals. And, uh, you know, the game was pretty tight other than that. I think Sydney had quite a few good opportunities, especially falling to uh, the speeds divine. She's like watching Roadrunner. She just burns players for fun. Only thing is she's got no finished product at the end. So she could be worth anything. You could probably add three or four digits to the back of her salary if uh, you can get her putting goals away with that sort of speed. But uh, she's a work in progress. And uh, the match fact was first blood in the new season for the Sky Blues in the Big Blue as well as in the grand final rematch. So uh, these two teams look like they'll both be there up around about uh, you know the business end of the season and uh, it's great to be having games like this already on uh, this early on in the season and another fantastic match in uh, the Women's League already. But uh, yeah, unfortunately for victory, not the start they wanted, but uh, back to the drawing board and I don't think it'll be long before they bounce back. So there was only one Sunday game and that was the Perth Glory versus Adelaide United and uh, what did you see in this game, VIG? Yeah, how good. Um, Perth back at home for the first time in a year. So, um, unfortunate they, they didn't come away with a win. Adelaide United uh, finished uh, up victors with a 1-0, 1-0 win. Um, my player to watch or player worth it, worth the admission, um, I, I couldn't split it between these two. It was Dylan Holmes who scored the match winner uh, for Adelaide United and um, the Adelaide United goalkeeper, Annalise Grove. Uh, she made three or four crucial saves. Uh, keeps a clean sheet away from home. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure what's in the water down in Adelaide, but they just keep on producing top keepers. Um, if you're looking for, well, if you're a keeper looking for an opportunity, you're not going to Adelaide, right, in men's or women's? No, the, the youth <laughs> set up there, I, I don't know I don't know what it is, but, you know, we, we look at the, the men's side and they've got three quality keepers and, and probably, you know, another two or three in the, in the youth setup that are coming through. So, um, yeah, just just phenomenal the talent down there uh, between the sticks. Um, my my lesson for the game: uh, suburban grounds do work when they're done properly. And and I know people have thrown a lot of shade at Perth Glory for you know moving their games from from NIB, especially the, the men's the men's team moving from NIB to Macedonia Park. Um, I think they're playing thirteen games there this season. So um, you know, I, I, it just looked the the pitch was in immaculate condition. Um, I love what they've done with the grandstand and the colours. And, and I can't wait to see the uh, the men's team play there later this season. So, um, yeah, that, that 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 was that was for me as a spectacle watching it. Um, we, we want these games to to look good, and and we want them to be played on on good pitches. And um, it, it was you know perfect ground for an A League women's game. So, uh, looking forward to the men playing on there later this season. Uh, game fact for me, it, it was I was touching this earlier. It was, it was Perth's first home game in in over a year. Um, so they, they did dominate possession. Uh, they had 15 shots, seven outside the box and eight inside the box. So, um, you know, apart from Annalise Grove having a, a great game between the sticks for Adelaide, 
um, Perth did have their chances and um, could have could have walked away with the with the points. Nice wrap up, mate. Now, uh, speaking of uh, fantastic goalkeepers, up after the break, we're lucky enough to have a chat with uh, Melbourne Victory's number one, Paul Izzo. We'll catch you after the break. You're listening to the Football Revolution. Joining us now in the player escape room is a man whom we're excited to have back in the A-League after a few seasons playing in Greece. Please welcome to the show Melbourne Victory's brilliant numero uno, Paul Izzo. G'day, Paul. Welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Mate, love having you here. How are you? Everything well with you? Yeah, it's all good so far. I'm really enjoying it. Life's good at the moment. Could be better on the field, but, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, my life, everything's, uh, you know, under control at the moment and really enjoying it. Is this your first time ever living in Melbourne? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yes. Definitely, yes. What do you yeah. like most about Melbourne just in general? Without the football club or anything else, what do you like? What do you and your partner like to go around? Is it the dogs, <laughs> the parks, the coffee? What is it? To be honest, I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, you know, before I was moving to Melbourne, I was coming from Adelaide, you know, um, Melbourne's like New York City, you can say, I guess. <laughs> True. I was, I was pretty stressed out about, you know, the lifestyle, what it would be like and all that, like the traffic and this and that. But it's not too bad. I, like, it's all right. I, I enjoy it. Um, it is a, I wouldn't say full-on lifestyle, you know, with all the, the people and everything. But, you know, for me, I'm in a good area at the moment. It's pretty relaxed and chilled out. So where I am. Just relaxed. Mate, if, even if you're not sure about Melbourne, I know they're very sure about you, so um, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mate, after stints with Adelaide United and the Mariners, you tried your luck abroad in Greece with Xanthi before returning home to victory. What did you learn from that experience? Um, the Greece experience? Yeah, the Greece experience. Um, Besides get paid up front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make learn not to trust everyone's word, that's for sure. Yeah, make sure but, they pay a, depo- a holding deposit up front. Yeah. But, nah, look, I love my time in Greece. Um, it was incredible. Uh, I think the, the the style of football was, you know, very different to your Australian football. And But, like, you take into consideration now with promotion and relegation how different football can be played and how much more intense and even passionate it can be um yeah so the, the, the biggest thing i took away um was the the kind of do or die kind of uh not attitude but like feeling around just one particular game how how valuable points actually are yeah look that totally makes sense mate and i think uh that's a great experience for you and hopefully it, uh, it puts you in better stead for further opportunities whether it be a victory or, or somewhere else but uh what's impressed you most about the new club um, obviously, straight off the bat, um, obviously bringing in a player of Los Nani's calibre is it's a it's a big statement. Um, it shows the club wants to be successful on the field, but also off the field they want you know eyes on the game and they want to put their hand up and and try help the game grow in in Australia. And for me, that's. That's that's massive. I mean, it's, it's always a big risk bringing in a marquee and stuff like that. But it just shows what the club's about. And, um, yeah, for me, that's been really impressive. Mate, speaking of Nanny, what's it like having a global star in the change rooms at lunch, you know, on the pitch? Tell us, you know, for us local punters who are just watching in awe, what's it like having a guy like that around who seems like not only is he absolute quality on the pitch, but he's humble and a real good guy off it? Yeah, I remember the first, the first day he came in, 
it was kind of like well, all the boys were kind of just in the change room, like getting ready and everything, like just chatting away. And then he's walked in and it was kind of like that moment we were like, shit, he's actually here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know? And um, of course the first like few days and everything, it was, everyone was like trying to get comfortable and stuff. But like you said, he's a real humble guy. He's, is really he's really good for the team in terms of like he doesn't have that that big ego of saying oh don't talk to me don't tell me how to do this some um, what I've done in my career he's very open and you know he's he he wants to be really involved with the team and for me that's that's the the most important part about bringing any uh, marquee or big name foreigner you know because you don't want you know people coming in saying oh I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm taking a step back. No, his his no, hand on my chest is is 100 in. So, yeah, mate. Uh, the A Leagues must have missed that chance to get the A League access of you guys watching him come in. Instead, they're getting Charlie Austin abuse his teammates. That was the perfect <laughs> opportunity for them to get some excellent footage watching you guys. <laughs> kind of big name pro footballers actually freak out because there's another big name footballer coming in. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think they missed the boat there. But they just need to be a, a little bit more on the ball, I think, to make sure they catch those opportunities. Yeah, no, there were a few few draws on the ground when he did walk in, but <laughs> like I said, when like once he settled and everyone got to know him, like you know, he's just like one of the boys really in the team. You know, like we don't even really, for me personally, I don't even like have that. I, I don't even think about you know the things he's done. You know, like every now and then you'll be like, wow, I remember when he did this and all that, and you see a little snippet on Twitter or Instagram, you're like. Well, there's Lewis, you know, and you're like, I sit next to him in the change room now, you know, so. That may also have a little bit to do with the fact that he played for Man United, not for Newcastle United, because if he played for Newcastle, <laughs> maybe you're a little bit more nervous around him, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe get me in the, the Mariners change room and told mate, whoa, yeah, that'd yeah. be better. True. Mate, how does the uh, facilities and everything at uh, Victory compare to you when you're in Greece? I know Greece would have had the beautiful postcard views, but uh, tell us for mm. play, for people that have never really experienced anything, you know, in the Greek leagues, etc. what was that like? How does that compare? Um, for me, I was fortunate at my club in uh, Santi. The, the facilities were actually, you know, like quite good. Um, for me, like on par with A League, like the some A League teams. Um, obviously, um, the more you travel around and go to other stadiums, then things get quite interesting. That's for sure. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a different world over there. I think. You know, here there's there's rules and regulations. Over there, it's more ah, there's a pitch we play there. You know, like, but also there's a lot more problems deep down in Greek football at the moment than just the facilities. So, but in terms of where I was, I couldn't complain to be honest. Like, pitches were okay, sometimes good, sometimes a bit rubbish. But you know, it was uh, you'd be able to go out and train and not have to stress about you know, doing anything stupid. Mate, we're glad to have you back in the A-League. Maybe Sydney FC fans, maybe not so much, but I know all other fans in general are super excited to have another quality keeper back in the league. You guys have started the season with a quality win in the Big Blue, but uh, results haven't been, you know, have been up and down since. What's the vibe like still in the squad? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of belief. Um, And I think, obviously, at the moment, there's a lot of, uh, not disappointment, but, like, frustration with, I think we know how much of a, a good squad we have at the moment and we're not really putting it all together consistently, I think. 
I mean, there's, I think the Sydney game and the Newcastle game, when you look at them two and we're on, I think like, all right, maybe the Sydney game we conceded two goals, but like we're, we're solid and, you know, we're defending and we're attacking together, defending together. And I think it's just, you know, getting that a bit more consistent and, you know, results will, will come our way uh, a lot better. Um, but yeah, look, we're always positive in, in the work we do. We, we believe in the way we play and um, that's the, the main thing. You know, the, the wheels haven't fallen off. Um, it's still early doors in the season and it takes a few good games and, you know, the, the happy days are back, I guess, you know. So we're just pushing as hard as possible to, to get those, those good games uh, back under our belt. Nice positive attitude. Mate, uh, there's no A-League men's fixtures uh, until December. What's the schedule for the team the next few weeks? Um, we had a few days off. Um, what did you after do? Did the, you go fishing? Uh, did you uh, just watch a bit of Netflix? What did you do to uh, let your hair down? Um, for me, it was good because I was back in Adelaide. So I had a nice weekend in Adelaide, quite our friends, family and all that. I was very busy. Uh, don't worry about that. Um, all, all thanks to the Qatar World Cup, right? Because if it was in June, July, you guys would be playing now. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But no, it's, it's not bad. I think now it comes at a good time, I think, for us where we can actually knuckle down and, you know, look ourselves in the mirror and really focus on ourselves. Um, and it gives us good time to, to kind of rectify the things I was saying, you know, like, like, uh, like it's just good. It's, it's a good, let's say like a mini preseason, I guess, again, just to, to, to clear the cobwebs. Yeah, look, I think there's some teams in the league that obviously didn't want the league to stop. And I suppose that's probably the same in the Premier League. Arsenal were praying that the season continued. But uh, <laughs> I think of all the teams in the A-League, I would honestly say, hand on the heart, the victory is probably the one that wants this reset because you have a quality squad. Things just aren't going to plan at the moment. But I don't think there's a lot to change. There's little tweaks here and there. And it gives you know the squad and the coaching staff that time to be able to try and get those things right. So once you do hit the ground in, in December, that you hit the ground running and push your way back up the table. Mate, uh, what are your team goals this season? What's Popper said that, uh, you know, is a, is a minimum bar for you guys to ach- to achieve? Um, that's pretty much another reason why um, I chose, like, uh, I took the, the role at Melbourne Victory because usually there comes a point in the pre-season at clubs where everyone says, all right, boys, like, what's the, what are the goals this year? Doing top four, top three, top six, you know, like here, it's just a, a given. Every season, no matter what squad you got, you have to be pushing for a trophy, no matter what. So, like, that was the the easy part for me. Like, I know what I'm walking into. The the club itself is is always pushing for to be the best, and you know that's that needs no discussion. I think. Okay, so basically when you had that to chat with the club, you knew straight away down to Ikea, buy a new trophy cabinet and put that at home <coughs> just to make sure you're prepared, right? There's probably too many jobs you've got on your list, but if you can knock that one out of the way with that confidence, then uh, you're at least set for, for the end of the season, right? Yeah, I'm not getting it from Ikea because that, <laughs> that'll take me two hours to fix. It says on the box 10 minutes, but it takes me two hours. So, Mate, that's, yeah. how, that's how Airtask has evolved because everything seems to be two minutes, but it's not. It takes five hours. That's why they have people now who come in and do it for you. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All 
All right, mate. Uh, what about just before we get into the two games I like to play with my guests, what about personal targets? You know, I, I honestly think that they could have taken, you know, Birigiri, yourself, Joe Gauchi, Glover. There's plenty of guys they could have taken, you know, across the World Cup. So, you know, and you've played over 30 games, you know, for under 20, 23s, under 20s, under 17s for Australia. What's your personal goal this season at Victory? Um, honestly, like, I'm not saying that I don't care, but, like, for me, my first and only job is to just to win things with with victory um and look if we're winning things that means i'm doing i'm doing well and um you know whatever happens after that happens but for me i think my whole career i've just really just focused on what i can do and and if you're doing well enough uh, then a call up will be around the corner and you know that takes care of itself i think so for me Obviously, just full focus with Melbourne at the moment. No wonder the Victory fans love you, mate. And I know you, you know you got no interest in coaching when you retire, but Mayor of Melbourne—that's a big possibility with that answer. <laughs> I, I'd vote for you, mate. You haven't got me sold. Will you, will you cuddle babies? Will you do other things? What else can you do? I <laughs> uh, can drink a drink a beer pretty good as well. So yeah, that'll be all right, mate. You'll be fine down in Melbourne then. All right, mate. Yeah. Let's, let's get into the first game I like to play, which is called Six Aside. So it'll be six questions comparing you and your victory teammates. You ready to roll? Let's go. Who is better at penalty shootouts, you or Matt Acton? Oh, I told you this would be tough. I mean, you might, lo- you might lose a few friends. Question, you might lose a few friends over this, but uh, that's why I'm asking the tough questions. Well. Of course, I've got to say me because, you know, you've got to have that confidence. In you don't yourself. have to say you. Yeah. You could have said Matt Acton. Don't tell me you have to say you. Oh, I'm, I'm saying me. It's yeah. me. All right. Sorry, so, Matt. I love you. you. He's the best bloke on earth. But do, you have many, do you have many penalty shootouts at training and practice at training on them? Uh, to be honest, in pre-season, yeah, a couple after we'd have like small-sided games and stuff, we'd finish off. It feels like we're drawing, but no, we haven't done it in a while. So, Is there yeah, a player? Is there a player that you've got under your thumb in penalty shootouts at training that just can't get one past you and you just know psychologically now it's nothing to do with ability, he just mentally can't get past you now? Noah Smith yep. is horrible at penalties. Okay. I don't even have to look. <laughs> no, and it doesn't have to be me in goal. It can be yeah. Maddie. It can be Young could be me. could be me. No, it could be you. Yeah. I'm telling you. He will miss. Okay. The target. The target. <laughs> You might have to – that's why you probably have uh, the Melbourne Demons on speed dial so you can give them a quick call and say, can you kick the ball back that Noah just took the penalty with? <laughs> uh, good on Noah. He'll right. get there one. Who works harder in the gym, you or Tommy Urich? <sighs> Mate, you know, you look around, you see the weights, right? You see who's got, who's got 100 kilos on the bench and who's got 40 kilos on the bench. Yeah, I'm going to say me. Okay. What, like, what, what's your forte in the gym? Is it the bench? Is it the legs press? What What are you really good at? Look, uh, I, I like to joke around and mess around a lot and all that stuff. But when when I have to do the work, I do my work and I do it all. Um, I feel, you know, maybe Tommy, I don't know, it's a weird one. These are weird questions, man. <laughs> mate, I'm testing you out here, mate. I want to make sure. Hey, I wanna... Tommy's a good worker in the gym though as well. Mate, no, I'm just gone. Me, I don't care. You're me. still going to be the mayor of Melbourne. Don't worry. You, even if you lose a couple of friends over this, I'll get you a few new followers. Don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> who's better? Who's a better roommate, you or Josh Berlante? Better roommate. Yeah, on a way trip in Greece. He was just the recovery station. Whatever you needed, he had it. He had foam rollers, uh, 
No, it's definitely him. He's got he's got the lock. He's got the recovery bar. He's, so, he's a go-to man, right? Yeah, you need a massage gun. He's got it. You need, you know, is that the Theragun? That's a Theragun. That's the Theragun, right? Amazing. Yeah, he's got a down pack, so I'd say it's him. All right. Who takes longer in the shower, you or Lee Broxham? Now, I'm not talking about who's been in the shower the longest because he's been there for 40 years at the club. I'm talking <laughs> who takes longer when they actually have a shower. Oh, uh, I don't know, to be honest. I feel like we're kind of on par. Are you – okay, I mean, who who takes the longest shower then by far? Who's someone that goes in there and you just know um, he's never Ray, Ray, hands down Ray. Oh, does he? Absolutely. Okay, is that to is that to think about how many plays he kicked in the game and he couldn't understand why he got fa- fouls against him? Is that why he's probably in there trying to, you know, do a debrief? No, he's just the. Uh, <laughs> it may. He's incredible. He's a he's a top top person. Um, he just he just likes to take his time. I think I'll leave it at that. It's just a very relaxed. I'll take that. Know, he needs a siesta in the afternoon. Uh, I think because that gets cut out. <laughs> Things take their time during the day. And you need something to replace it, right? Yeah, exactly. So he would have stand in the nice hot shower for a, for a long, long time. All right. Who is cooler under pressure, you or Jake Brimmer? Cooler under pressure. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give Jake that one. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's on, got some – On and off yeah. the pitch? Like if someone took your car spot, who, who's going to just go, yeah, it's okay, mate, it's a teammate? Who's going to fire up and say, get your piece of rubbish out of my spot, right? That's my spot and I'm not walking any further than I need to. Oh, all right. Now we've got no one like that in the team, you guys. Everyone's everyone's a good guy. It's good, kind of. That, yeah, that no, you know, ego personality things in the change room. It's it's a good squad. There's no one like that. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, last one: who gets noticed more in the street, you or Chris Economides? Oh. If you guys are walking down the street, or getting a coffee together, do you get more kids coming up to you saying, "Oh, there's Paul Izzo. I want, I want your autograph," or you get Economides or? Oh, I don't know. It's a hard one because I'm I'm a pretty lazy person when I'm when I'm done. <laughs> so I like to stay home, relax, chill out. Yeah, you know, Chris is Chris is is quite busy. He likes to go out for a coffee, do this, do that. You know, so he's out there. So maybe I'll I'll give that one to him. And all right, you know. by, by default, he he's out more. He's put himself out there, and you like to keep to yourself. So we're cool with that. But all right, we'll give that to Economides. Mate, yeah. out one extra bonus one. Tell us one thing you know you're much better at than a teammate. So it's free hit here, just something you walk straight in and straight off the bat you were like, I oh, know I've got that guy covered straight away. Far mm. uh, out. Pick a big uh. scalp too. Pick something, pick Nanny or pick, uh, hey, if I want to roll, pick someone, a big scalp. Big scalp? Or even a small one, anyone. Hands down, I'm better at two touch than George Tim Okay, that's that's yeah, that's that's a given. Yeah. If if you took any longer, I was going to give you one. I was going to say, surely there's someone you have better tats than. Definitely, that that's a guaranteed. <laughs> oh, obviously, I've got a bet. Like, not everyone knows. It's <laughs> not really a discussion, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. All right, that's null and void, right? <laughs> that's not fair on everyone else. I <laughs> know, oh, not at all. All right, mate. Let's move into the second game. We like to call two touch. So I'll give you a word or a couple of words or even a sentence, and you just tell me. Uh, in two words, what comes to mind straight away for you? All right, let's go. Let's go. Public transport. Public transport, shocking. Traffic. I was going to say never used. I thought that's what you would have said. I'm being a pro footballer, the, yeah. The I say it's shocking yeah. because the, the road I take home, if I get stuck behind a tram, I'm stopping, starting, 
Here's long one thing I hate about Melbourne. These how long does it take me. you to get to training? No, not long. Only 20 minutes. But if you get stuck behind a tram and you need to be somewhere, forget it. Have they got trams in Adelaide? I know Sydney, we've kind of brought them back and, you know, they were amazing 50 years ago and now they're slowly making their way back. Do they have them in Adelaide? <laughs> yeah, they got them in Adelaide. But, like, they got their own lane, you know, like, there's two lanes for the cars, then there's the tram lane. So, like, they're out of your hair. It's no problem, you know. There's no stopping every 10 metres when someone just gives a wave and <laughs> one person gets on and no one gets off and you're just thinking, <sighs> and then another 10 metres and they stop again. You're like, why couldn't you just wait there, you know? Like, well, you know what? When you're mayor of Melbourne, that's the first thing you can go. You can just give them their own lanes <laughs> and we'll change that, right? That's straight away no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, <done. laughs> All right, Tony Popovich. Oh, hard working, without a doubt. Okay, so uh, he was obviously a main reason why you moved to Greece and then back to victory. What makes him so unique and so special? Because let's be honest, a lot of people aren't going to follow coaches around unless you really think this guy's got something special. What's he got? I think it's just like, I think he's got that expectation of what he wants you to be all season. Um, you know, um, he, he really does. He does challenge you to be your best every single day, and I think as a footballer, that's exactly what you want, and it's only going to make you even better. So for me, working with Tony, the boss, um, you know, that's that's a big uh, drawing point. Um, how much he wants you to improve, not only just the team. Yeah, love it, mate. Look, I'm not complaining that he's the, the coach of victory, but. Uh, the, way, the best way for me to sum up Tony Popovich is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, but I hope every year when I look at the coach of a club, I hope I don't see Tony Popovich because that means he's gone overseas and got himself a big gig, which I think he deserves. So it's meant in, 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 a, in a respectful way, the fact that every year you look at it and you hope when you see the 12 A-League coaches, they say, oh no, Popper's not here this year. He's coaching over in the Premier League or Bundesliga or something like that. So I think that that's how a lot of people would feel about him. And I think, you know, Ange and, and obviously a lot of uh, Muskie have done great things, but I think he's right up there with them and I think he's just waiting for his opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. All right, uh, mate, languages, in particular, the Greek language. Abusive. <laughs> How did you go with that when you were over there? Did you uh, trans use translators? Did you just not communicate sign language? How did you get by? Oh, no, my my um, my mother's Greek, so okay. I've got Greek in me. Yeah, Greek so, and Italian. Yeah, Greek and Italian. Okay, so you can imagine what those Christmases are like. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably not the best coach to have right now when yeah. when we come after Christmas dinner. He's yeah. putting us on the scale. So, but no, um, yeah, I could I could understand like the general kind of general chit chat, but like when it gets you know like general conversation that goes you know too quick and all that i'm i'm lost but yeah are you better at italian than you are greek no, i probably said the opposite i'm probably better at greek than italian okay yeah but i think that's obviously because obviously i had two years there as well so that helped a lot okay i'll fast track to one of the ones i had a little bit further down the list christmas day you I had didn't. to bite my tongue there for a second. Yeah, you, mean, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned family there. You mentioned Greek and Italian Christmas days, and I had that down, so yeah. I just fast-tracked it up the list. So, Food coma. Okay. So Food. what's what's your go-to? What What is that one thing that you wait for at Christmas and go, I don't care if I get on the scales and I weigh an extra 10 kilos. I'm happy to be tortured for it. What is it? Is it an Italian dish, a Greek dish? It might be an Aussie dish. I don't know. Honestly, it's just 
the I don't know, it's just the vibes you get when you're with all your family. It's like you have to eat, like, <laughs> okay. and then, like the standard, you know, everyone just they pig out. Everyone goes to sleep for a nice little, you know, little nap. And you wake up and you eat again. Like that's 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 how Christmas is. That's are how it is. Are you heading down to Adelaide, or are they heading up to Castle Izzo? What's the deal this year? Castle Izzo, yeah, yeah. they'll be coming to the shoebox Izzo, yeah. Oh, yeah, come on, mate. All right, <laughs> they'll be coming here. No, no, they will be coming up. Um, so yeah, that'll be good for me. Uh, it's the first Christmas I'll have with them in over two years now. So yeah, really happy. Mate, that's worth coming to the A League alone. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All right, karaoke. Man, I just don't know what to say to that. (laughs) Can you you sing? Are you a good singer? No, shocking. Okay, so will you still have a crack or you just rather just sit down and let everyone else make a fool of themselves at karaoke? I'll I'll give it a crack. Like initiation song, like, you you know, boys were paying cash and I was thinking, hmm, you're not getting my money, like I sung. (laughs) (laughs) So you've done one at Victory this year already? Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah. Okay, so what would you give yourself out of 10 if you had to rate yourself for your performance? Taking in vocal, vocal ability but also like effort, you know, giving giving to the performance because look at Kylie Minogue, right? Worst singer in Australia, in Australian history, but she's a great performer but she can't sing. I can probably sing as well as she can. So give yourself a high mark if you put a full effort in and you knew all the words, even if you're not vocally great. I'll give myself a, an honest 6.8. Okay, I'm happy yeah. with that. It's fantastic. Fair, fair assessment, I think. Look, I'm not expecting to buy your Christmas album, but we'll give that a pass. Yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> so 50% percent a pass. <laughs> All right, AFL, considering you, you've been in uh, in Adelaide a long time and yeah, you're in Melbourne, AFL? Collingwood. That's okay. Not, Collingwood. Are you yeah. a pies man? You're yeah, in my black and white pyjamas. This is. I'm starting to see black a theme here, mate. I live life in black and white, mate. That's, it. That's how I see it. Mate, Magpies, it- Collingwood, Magpies, Newcastle. It's easy. Save money on a kid as well. There you go. Mate, I just hope you stay out of jail. I think that we're getting a theme here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping that's that's a good thing, right? We just stay away from yeah. that. We can play black and white all the time. Just stay away from that. Yeah, don't want to get too attached to the colours, but yeah. Let's just keep it sporting teams black and white. There we go. I, I won't mention I support Hawthorne. All right. <laughs> no- <laughs> November World Cup. November World Cup. Odd, weird. Yeah, not a fan. Like, I don't know. It's just well, it's good for us now. For like one year, we actually get a, a World Cup where you know we can actually watch the games, and we're not up till four in the morning. We're wrecked the next day. But for me, it's just the. Uh, I'd say more so the, the venue of the World Cup is is the the thing that kills it a bit for me with. You know how it's not going to be like your Germany and Brazil with like you know all the people out in the street, you know, creating all this atmosphere and celebrating, doing this and that. It's just for me. We'll see how it goes, mate. I the best way for me to sum this up, and this is the politest way, is I look at the Qatar World Cup as online dating, right? Because what happens is you post a picture, right, of you thirty years ago or of somebody else, and then they look at it and go, "Oh, I like the look of them," and then you find out it's not them. Right, and you get disappointed. Guitar put in a bid. It wasn't even real. Then they changed when they were going to host it, who was going to host it, and all these different things. So it was a fake bid, right? So I don't know how you can host a World Cup when it was fake, right? It was an online profile. It was fake. It should have been canned, and they should have given it to somebody who deserved it. They cost the Socceroos a, a World Cup, so I'm a bit dirty about it. But look, 
there's a lot of but big names. FIFA got catfished. Yeah. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they did get catfished. And the thing is, too, there's going to be a lot of big players who hang up the boots at the end of this. So maybe that's what makes it a, a Magic World Cup. And we can only hope, right? Because at the end of the day, no matter who's yeah. hosting or where it is, it's the biggest football sporting tournament in the world, right? So surely it's going to be good viewing. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, you nailed it again. Like, yeah. I try my World best. Cup. I try yeah. my best, Paul. I, I try my best. You're doing a great job. <laughs> something, not, something not many people know about you. <sighs> not many people know about me. I'm Greek. I'm half Greek. Okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I'm just Italian. But yeah. All right. My mother's Greek. I, so like I said, go. I knew the Italian thing. And then, like I said, I thought you were going to tell me that over in Greece you were absolutely fish out of water. And you're telling me, no, nah, mate, I was right at home with the fam. No, no, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it, was, it was right up my alley, the lifestyle, chilled out, go relax, coffee, easy, done. All right. And the last one, mate, away games. Away games. Sometimes good, sometimes yeah, bad. Okay. You know? Who's, who's your favourite away trip? Whether when you're at Adelaide, when you're at, who's your who's your favourite away game you look forward to because of the stadium, the, the state, the fans, whatever? I think it hasn't changed for me now, really. It's just opposite ends. Um, I think when I was obviously at Adelaide, victory was was the best away game. And now, the Adelaide. Because for me, I think the, the stadium, obviously there in Adelaide, is the best for, for atmosphere and a real football game. And yeah, I got to experience the other side of it. And you know, I loved it. I can't wait to get back. Is this in your contract? Because when I spoke to Joe Gauchi, he said victory as well, right? So are you guys signed a contract when you either play for Adelaide or victory to say, hey, this is a friendly fire because, you know, victory are hated by City and Sydney, Adelaide are hated by victory and so on. But they said, look, let's at least have one friend here. Let's sign an agreement to say anytime yeah. anyone asks something about us, let's be nice. Look, honestly, I think, like, you ask anyone in the league, like, and they'll all say, obviously, victory, um, with the like, with our like amazing numbers that we bring to games, and also like everyone will hands down say Adelaide is like, you know, if you're if you're getting pummeled over there and that crowd gets on top, like it's it's another kind of like experience, and the stadium doesn't even have to be full, like, and it feels like it's packed out. So yeah, it is it is a really good stadium, and it's a special stadium. All right, mate. Uh, last question: Who do you like in the World Cup? Who do you think will uh, hold it aloft in a uh, month's time or whenever the, the final's played? Oh, tell you what, I don't want it to happen. But, like, seeing how close England came in the Euros, can they kick on again? I hope not. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe in Argentina. But that's said every single year, like every World Cup, and then, you know, they do what they do. But yeah, honestly, uh, I'm really I'm excited to see who's who's there in the end because I think you know Brazil's back to being that sort of powerhouse kind of they were, um, even like you know England's up there now and like it's it's yeah for me them three will be interesting to watch even Portugal's looking really good as well. Who's your dark so, horse? Is based on obviously you know it's going to be hotter conditions. It's going to be there's players who are injured because they've been pushing the players to the max, and you know the coaches haven't had a lot of time to prepare like they normally would in June and July. They've kind of got them back after domestic you know duties, and there's players out and so on. Is there a dark horse? Is this a team that you think because of the conditions and the, the unique situation that's going to rise up and and cause a few upsets? For me, I don't, I don't think the conditions will be bad because 
when we had our qualifiers, the one camp I did go to with the the national team, we played in one of the World Cup stadiums, and the air conditioning in the stadium was unbelievable. Like you wouldn't even know it was forty degrees outside the stadium. It was it was incredible. So I don't think the conditions will play too much of a part come game day. Um, but yeah, Belgium's a dark horse every year, aren't they? Um, um, so we'll see how far they can go, maybe, but. I don't know. I'm just keen to watch, see what happens. Who's, who's paying the electricity bill? <laughs> if, if it got the these oil. Air- <laughs> the oil, mate. <laughs> yeah, I was say, mate, this, this, that, that, this will be basically, they'll have to use all the jersey sales money just to go straight to paying the electricity bill. If they've got these air cons that you're talking about and there's multiple facilities all across the, uh, the whole of Qatar, who's going to pay the bills? Yeah, look, I don't think money's really an issue over there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's – I don't think they were thinking about that when they built it. Mate, I'm also so, sitting there thinking, you know, hopefully for you, that uh, that one game that you went over there with the Socceroos is not uh, your limited exposure. I think, like I said, uh, you know, there's a massive opportunity for you to get back in there. You're still only young at 27. For a keeper, that's a baby, right? Like, that's playing under 10s <laughs> for a field player, right? So you're still a baby. But, uh, mate, I, I really appreciate your time. I wish you all the best, uh you know, during this period with the with the victory, but also once the season gets cracking again, I think it's around the 10th of December, uh, try to take it easy in the food coma. Uh, Izzo, family Christmas, and uh, enjoy having the family over there, mate. I know how much they mean to you, and I know it's, uh, it's a real special time for you, but uh, I've loved every second of chatting with you, and I'd love to check in with you later on in the year. Yeah, too easy. Thanks for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was really good and really comfortable, so thanks for that. Cheers. All right, mate. All the best. We'll speak to you soon. You're listening to The Football Revolution. Welcome back to the show. It was fantastic talking with uh, Melbourne Victory's goalkeeper, Paul Izzo, and uh, I'm sure we'll expect big things from him for the remainder of the season. But uh, up now, as we said previously, it's a bit exciting, and I think we're both uh, (laughs) biting at the bit to get stuck into this. We've got our World Cup review and our now new world-famous Peely Awards. So uh, a few interesting things for the tournament so far, just before we get into those awards. So my favourite was the performance of Spain's wonder kids, Pedri and Garvey, who set guitar alight. Their combined age is 37, same age as Ronaldo, and uh, Pep, Pepe and Alves are both 39. So if you're looking for value, you can take two of those guys for one. Does that mean you can play 12 on the pitch at once, VIG? Two, two for one. Uh, look, they're, they're both brilliant players, phenomenal uh, from La Masia, the Barcelona Academy. Um, yeah, they're... They're, they're pretty much untouchable, those two. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many years they actually stay at Barca and play at Barca or if someone comes in for, you know, break the bank for the, for those two. But uh, absolutely phenomenal players. Um, I don't know what you were doing at 18, 19, but I definitely wasn't uh, controlling the midfield in a in a World Cup match. So, um, yeah, just, just unbelievable to see players at that age uh, dominating like that. Mate, without getting too sidetracked, do you think this has something to do with the fact also that they haven't spent every single dollar they have keeping Messi and they've let him obviously go to a, a different uh, different pastures, but to, it allows them to focus now on for the last 10 years it's all been about Messi, 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 that's all we need to do. Maybe they take their eye off the ball about having to develop any other players or that sort of thing, but now is it just coincidence that they get two fantastic young players at the same time as they've let their biggest star go? Yeah, look, you know, when they had Messi there, there were probably players of, of that quality or, 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 you know, just as good that never got the chance to, to play for Barcelona and had to, to move on to other clubs. Uh, Danny Olmo is a, a classic example. Um, you know, he, he was he was in Spain as, as a youngster and he, he had to move to, to Croatia and, and now to Germany to, to play first team football. So, um, you know, there, there's there's a bunch of a bunch of players in that academy that, 
are probably good enough to play first-team football but haven't always been given the chance. So they've had to move on and, and go elsewhere. The uh, tournament's had a, a high five. So, so far, nil or draws to date. There's been five. The record is currently seven, which has uh, been shared by three of the previous editions. Are you worried that uh, we could end up with a record number of uh, scoreless draws? Look, it's it's looking that way. I think uh, somewhere I read also at half time. I think they've been the most uh, the most nil laws at half time in a in a World Cup ever. So, um, I don't know if the heat's playing a factor. Um, seems to me that that the early game um, is is almost you know odds on bet for for a nil or draw at half time or, or nil or draw at full time. So, um, I, I don't know if if you know Qatar's a, a city that or Doha's a city that comes to life. Uh, at the night time, so maybe everyone's still sleeping uh, during the day game. <laughs> maybe it also has something to do with the amazing cool aircon. Maybe they're a bit relaxed, right? So it's not until you run around for 45 minutes that you start getting the, uh, the the temperature up and then you start going, well, we need to play here. But for the first 45 while you're in uh, beautiful, nice aircon, you're like, nah, we can just take this a little bit easy. But uh, Japan's fans are very eco-friendly and the uh, Samurai Blue supporters stayed to clean up after defeating Germany. So not only did they uh, clean them up on the pitch, but afterwards they decided to stay back and uh, make sure that they did the right thing by the, the stadium and by the hosts and uh, cleaned up the stadium. A nice act uh, from from their fans. Yeah, beautiful. Look, we, we know the Japanese culture and the type of people they are. Uh, such 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 gentle, uh, you know, people off the pitch, on the pitch. Uh, they they could be killers sometimes, and and they 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 took it to Germany. Uh, I think a few of the players had to uh, empty their pockets after the games and uh, and take the German players out with the trash. So um, that, that were brilliant. Uh, it's good to see. It's uh, good for Asian football and, um, you know, the, the the people and the culture in Japan, uh, lovely people and, um, you know, hats off to them for staying back and doing that. Whilst we're on the topic of this, uh, USA's Weston McKinney taking cleaning to a new level. He used the cameraman's shirt to wipe the ball down before taking a throw in. Is that is that going a bit too far? Is that saying to uh, them, look, we don't think you're doing enough, but we also would like you to also provide uh, you know, extra services? Yeah, look, you could have maybe cleaned the uh, cameraman's camera as well, the front lens or something <laughs> like that. But um, no, nah, look, a, a nice touch. It's, it shows the, the personal side um, of football. You've got you've to laugh. You've got to enjoy playing. Um, you know, we see the Brazilians playing with a smile on their face, doing rainbow kicks and, you know, tricks and flicks and, um, you know, something like that. Uh, no, no, no harm in it. I think it's a bit of fun, a bit of banter and uh, good for the game. And the last one I have for you, it uh, looked like Lewandowski curse was going to continue with his penalty miss in the nil-nil draw with Mexico. He scored 76 times for his country, but in three appearances in the 2018 tournament, uh, as well as firing blanks against the Mexicans, it looked like the football guides were sending him a message saying, we don't care how good you are in uh, international friendlies or qualifiers or Euros, but uh, at the moment, mate, you're never going to score in a World Cup. However, in the 82nd minute against the Saudis, he picked a defender's pocket before slotting home to break the voodoo. Yeah, look, he went from uh, Lewandowski to Lewandowski in a, in a matter, of, <laughs> uh, you know, matter of days, so... Uh, you know he's a he's a quality striker. He's he's hit the back of the net so many times for Bayern and and every club he's been at. Um, and it's good to see him scoring in a World Cup. It also shows how difficult it is the World Cup, considering this guy has scored you know goals for fun throughout his career, no matter where he's played, whether it be in Spain or Germany. But then you come to a World Cup and in four games he hasn't scored a goal yet. So it does give you some indication of you know it's only the best of the best at uh, these major tournaments, as, as probably Italy and Sweden will attest. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think Mitch uh, Mitch Duke can can claim that he's uh, got the same number of goals in a World Cup as uh, Robert Lewandowski now. Well, I had the same number as Lewandowski before he scored against uh, he scored in that game, so I'm a bit disappointed he did. But uh, look, he's a fantastic player, and it's great not only for himself but also for the uh, 
for the Polish people. But um, all right, that's the end of my couple of little tidbits about the World Cup so far. So this week, our look, you can call it whatever you like. You can call it our Peely Awards, uh, as they have in uh, the uh, 1995 American comedy Kicking and Screaming starring Will Ferrell and Robert Duvall. I get the Pele ball. Do what? If I beat you in the finals, Pele ball. It's mine. I get it. Here comes Pele! A little high and into the crowd! I got it! I got it! Oh, I got it! If I beat you in the finals, I get the Pele ball. And part of their bet they made a football tournament, uh, they made on a football tournament is the father's Pele ball. So it was actually a ball that his father recorded a game. So I I think it's meant to be Pele. I'm not sure if they were taking the mickey out of it and calling the Pele award as a bit of a joke, but uh, sometimes the Americans have a total different interpretation of words than we do. So look, it's uh, it could be the Pele awards or it could be our Pele awards. Either which way, we've got five cracking awards coming your way. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on uh, each of these awards and. We'll both give our opinion on each of those. I think to make it fair, we'll toss a coin to see who kicks off because this could be a huge advantage. And uh, each week we'll keep score to see after the fans have voted who uh, who won that previous week. So I've just tossed the coin. Vig, you want to tell me heads or tails? Yeah. Look, first of all, it's it's called soccer. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're fine with that. All right. Uh, appar- appar- apparently so if you're American, but um, yeah. Pele, Pele, whatever we want to call it, let's let's roll with uh with the Pele award. Some sort of player, either which way. But uh, all right, heads or tails? Uh, I'll go heads, please. It is heads. Do you want to kick off, or do you want to in the first half, or do you want to kick off in the second half? Uh, I'll kick off in the first half. Let's let's Damn, do it. I really wanted this one, but anyway. All right. Yeah. So the first of our awards is the double Ronnie, which is for best goal of the tournament for this week. So it's basically named after Ronaldo from Brazil, the uh, second on the all-time World Cup goal scorers list with fifteen. Uh, and a combination here, the double is the Cristiano Ronaldo, the new breed, who's now currently on eight since we announced this last week after his goal, his penalty uh, uh, during the week. So he's on eight. Uh, Oh, just over halfway to uh, the the original Ronaldo. So, who did you put forward for your nomination for this uh, double Ronnie Award? Look, I, I know you wanted this one because I, I know I know where you, where you, where you were going to go with it. Um, look, it's it's fitting that it's called the double Ronnie Award because um, you know he's put the R back in R nine. It's for me. It's got to be Richarlison uh, versus Serbia. Absolute banger. Uh, turn turn and shoot on the on the volley. Um, Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal! It's like he's playing in the in the favelas or in the streets in Brazil. Um, I, I can't go past that goal uh, so far in the tournament. Yeah, it was like uh, Vinicius Junior provided the pass, and you know the rest. It was like uh, for me, Circus Sol- uh, Circus du-, du Soleil with uh, Brazil's Richarlison. So I'm a bit excited, considering I don't think we've seen the best of him at Spurs this year. And uh, look, it makes no difference for me if he does it for Brazil. But it's just enjoyable for everybody. I don't have anything riding on Brazil, but uh, for the tournament, it was a fantastic spectacle. Going up against that is a very hard task. Uh, there's a few options here that I think I could probably go with, but uh, I'm just going to try and take it on a matchup with uh, El, El Dasari's stunner to beat Argentina. So El Dasari's, uh, you know, 
put put them in a box seat for a chance to go through. Unfortunately, their second result uh, didn't go to plan. But uh, being one nil down against uh, a team like Argentina and then equalising, and then he pulls out a stunning goal from the edge of the box that uh, I think rocked not only the stadium but uh, football fans globally. Uh, it was a fantastic strike, and uh, it meant so much to the people of uh, Saudi Arabia. So for me, my uh, nomination this week is the uh, Saudi Arabia's uh, winner against Argentina. Yeah, phenomenal goal, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but the uh, the halftime speech by their coach, Herb Renard, uh, gave him absolute rocket. I think he's he said, "Oh, Messi, you know, press Messi. If, if, why don't why don't you take your phone? You take a picture with him." Yeah, like, absolutely brilliant uh, halftime speech. The the Saudis came out in the second half; they were phenomenal. Um, they've they've got they're very technical players. They're quick, um, and, and that goal was was up there with you know one of the best so far at the World Cup, but. For me, I can't go past Richarlison. Uh, that's a, you know, I'm not sure we're going to see something better than that this World Cup. Mate, that footage that we saw of the coach at halftime, that's the sort of stuff I want to see. So if the A-Leagues are watching here and they want to do their inside access, don't worry about these things that aren't interesting where people are, you know, they're catching off guard and saying things that are inappropriate. Go and catch a coach like that who's saying stuff which genuinely lifted his team it was intelligent, but it was also damn funny. God, it was entertaining the way he's – and the way he ran over and closed down his assistant coach too was just classic. Yeah. Like, it was just absolute <laughs> different league. And as if it's not hard enough, you're getting blasted in one language. Uh, you got the translator there repeating <laughs> it. So if you didn't hear it the first time, you got it the second time and, um, yeah, out they went in the second half and, and they delivered. All right, so moving on to our second award, which is our best save, which is our safe as a Banks. So this was uh, named after Gordon Banks, the England goalkeeper, one of the greatest keepers to have ever lived and forever remembered widely as uh, the keeper that pulled off the greatest save of all time to deny Pele or Peely another World Cup goal in 1970. So... There was plenty here, I think, to choose from, uh, and I'm not going to give away too many because that may uh, blow one of your nominations out of the water. But for me, it was Poland's Szczesny's double save against Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, no surprise with their start to the tournament, uh, getting a lot of nominations here for um, our Peely Awards. But uh, a brilliant stop to deny El Dasari, the number 10 for, uh, for Saudi Arabia, who... Uh, like I said, it's already been mentioned earlier for the for the uh, the goal, but uh, from the spot he's walked up, he's uh, basically picked picked where he wanted to go. Chesney's pulled off a fantastic save, and then a sublime effort to keep uh, Al Barik number six from smashing home the rebound. So both saves I reckon could have uh, could have earned themselves a nomination for our uh, best save safe as a banks for this week. But uh, individually they were outstanding, but combined I think they're unbeatable. So uh, for me. Hats off to uh, Chesney, absolute wonderful piece of goalkeeping twice, and uh, he totally deserves our nomination this week. What's your counter? Yeah, look, two, you, you've, you've picked two in one, so I've had to go and pick two saves, I think. So um, mine's uh, Mamor Noya against Japan. He had a, a strong save with his left hand down down to his left-hand side. Um, you know, was, was it match-defining in, in the context of the game? You know, probably not. Japan went on to win it again, so... You know, may, maybe the Chesney double save does does trump that already. And then um, I think Tunisia's goalkeeper, I thought he had a fantastic game against Denmark, um, Eamon Daman. Um, I think he, he saved one of Ericsson's shots, uh, which was moving and, and to, you know, could well have done the Socceroos a, a massive favour in in keeping us in the hunt now. Um, we, we get a point off Denmark and, and we go through. So um, for me, it was, it was out of those two saves. But uh, like you said, I had Chesney's on my list as well. You, you've just stolen it off me, but... I think a double save probably trumps uh, two of those saves. Look, we'll see what happens. And uh, 
based on uh, the first award where you, you won the toss, I think maybe that goes your way. I'm hoping the second one, so we go into uh, the award three it being one all. But uh, it goes to show it is open to interpretation because I the two that I was talking about other than the saves we've mentioned was the Great Dane, Casper uh, Smichael's heroics to repel Isam Jabali's one-on-one effort. And uh, Senegal's uh, Mendy's uh, when he clawed away Mohammed's close-range effort around the post. So that were the two other fantastic saves. So there's a lot to choose from there. So your choice is uh, my save, which is Poland Chesney's double, or you've got uh, your two-in-one, which is uh, two saves for the price of one. So I'd love to hear back from the fans and, and the listeners uh, who they think will take out this week's award. Moving on to our third award, which is our Maradona Kebab. So it's something outrageous. It's uh, arguably the greatest of all time in a matter of minutes. So he scored the most controversial goal of all time followed by the most incredible goal beating most of the England team this is in the 1986 Mexico World Cup so uh, what are you putting up on the table for our Maradona kebab our first one of the uh, the World Cup VIG yeah look I'm going to talk about an outrageous player in uh, killing Mbappe Kylian Mbappe um, I'm not sure if you've seen this on social media there was a little clip in the game against Denmark where he he does a little shimmy fakes and um, he's not even doesn't even get the ball. He's nowhere near the ball. Does this fake run, and and the right back for Denmark, uh, Rasmus Christensen, he just falls over. He just gets sent for an absolute hot dog. Um, it's just it just goes to show how dangerous and how quick Mbappe is. And uh, you know, we were talking after the, the Australia France game about Nathaniel Atkinson's performance and and how he got rinsed. And you know, Mbappe's a he goes to show he's a phenomenal player, and he doesn't just do it to you know. Um, players playing in, in, in the Scottish League or at, at lower le- level. Um, he, he does it to the players playing in, in the Premier League and and uh, for nations that are, you know, fighting the, for, for a World Cup. So um, just just phenomenal, just his, his movement, his speed. Um, I just thought, like, that movement is just absolutely outrageous for me. It's scary, isn't it? Because most players, and it's just the laws of gravity, it's the, it's the laws of, I suppose, the human body and, and all that sort of thing. Most players can go forwards and backwards and change you know, like that pretty quickly. But he goes sideways, diagonal. The guy just, it's like his legs have these, these I don't know, these pivot points, these ball pivot balls on there that just allow him like a robot just to change the direction of his body. So, and look, it is something phenomenal. I think we are in a period where we have had two of the best, if not the best two of all time in Ronaldo and Messi. And it's, you know, you kind of look at it and go, well, where does the next one come from? Well, he's there, right? Him, Haaland, there's an, there's another group of players. Whether they take take the crown, I don't know, but uh, there is still some phenomenal players lining up. I'm going to counter that with the uh, the upsets so of the World Cup so far. So Japan over Germany, Costa Rica turning the tables on Japan, Morocco's win over uh, football powerhouse Belgium. But it all was capped off by Saudi's stunning come-from-behind win against Messi's Argies and King Salomon declaring it a public holiday in his country. Only in football does this happen. And uh, it's, it's great when you do have a, a football as your main sport and something that you're just fanatical about in your country because you, instead of having to wait for something crazy good to happen like you win the Nobel Peace Prize, you just have to knock off uh, you know, the Argentinians and you get a, another public holiday. Yeah, how good. And, and to top that off, I think he's uh, also... Uh, said that he's going to give every player a Rolls Royce Phantom. So, oh, God, um, I've heard it all now. He, he did offer that. Maybe he's maybe he's retra- retracted that offer after the Poland game. But um, yeah, that was that was the rumor floating about. Look, they were they were good for their money in the in their Polish game. If you watch it, they had a lot of good opportunities, and uh, Chesney was just really really on his game. And okay, they they got caught out. Uh, you know, they, they had stopped Lewandowski's uh, you know at, attack on goal, which he then cut back and and they tapped in. 
and he picked their pocket. So I don't think there was much in it. So, look, this is maybe just the fact that he's got too many cars and he's decided he wants to clean out his garage, right? That's that's what it might be. It might be simply that he's just got way too many cars in there and it's getting too dusty and he just wanted to clear a few out. So he thought, let's just offer them to the players. But uh, either way, both fantastic nominations. We'll see what, uh, what the listeners vote for. So our fourth award is our Only in Guitar. So different time of year, no beer, something you can only see here. So for me, this one has got me absolutely lost and, and maybe you can... Uh, uh, pour a bit more, uh, bit, shed a bit more light on this for me, VOG. But the amount of stoppage time in these games. So, what happened to a minute, a minute or two minutes of injury time, and they hold up on the board? They're going to need uh, boards now that can hold three digits because apparently a new policy to clamp down on time wasting is that really the best plan? So, most games in this tournament, seven or eight minutes of injury time. Argentina, Saudis plus fourteen. England versus Iran plus fourteen. Wales versus Iran plus 13. And then Portugal and Ghana, USA and Wales, Senegal and Netherlands are all plus 11. Where is all this time coming from? Uh, I don't know. I think they're, they're stopping the ball every time it goes out of play, but it's it's starting to get a little bit ridiculous. Um, the last thing you want to see as a player after after 90 minutes is the board go up and, and you know, 13 minutes on the board. Like, you've just you ran your backsides off for 90 minutes. You've got to do another 13, but... In a way, though, it, it does make for some from pretty spectacular football. Uh, we saw in the Wales-Iran game, I think Iran scored in the 98th and the 101st minute or something like that. So, um, you know, when, when players are fatigued and, um, you know, a- anything can happen pretty much. So it's, you know, we, we, we've got a duty of care uh, for the players as well. So, uh, you know, I think to, if it's going over 10 minutes, I think there's got to be some sort of questions asked. But... You know, five or six is is probably the the norm and the acceptable. We're rolling the dice here, as you said. Look, there was an outstanding finish in those games, but uh, you are rolling the dice, as we said coming into this. You've jammed too many domestic games into a short period of time to make sure that we comply with this World Cup. All of a sudden, you've got players breaking down left, right, and centre. You've got players breaking down just as the tournament starts. And now, okay, you've dodged a bullet because you haven't had too many injuries in the tournament so far. And then you go, okay, Lynn, let's uh, let's uh, dance with death here and let's start playing eleven and twelve minutes on top, which is is crazy and, and people can't you can't when it's one or two minutes you can go let's just ride this out but if it's 11 or 12 minutes you have to start making more subs right and if you don't have any left what do you do so i don't know i i just think they are dancing with the devil here it's it's a bit of a risk and i'm just hoping that towards the business end of this tournament we don't continue playing 10 minutes worth of stoppage time and find out we end up losing a couple of big name players and we have a final where there's no this guy we've lost neymar last week you know we already lost uh benzema we don't want to start at harry kane we're already losing players anyway from the just sheer physicalness and how tough this tournament is let's not add on top of that yeah, look, I agree. Player welfare has got to be got to be number one, but they've they've set the precedent now, and it's it's going to be hard to change for the for the rest of the tournament. Um, but yeah, let's let's just help it hope it doesn't get uh, out of control. What do you got for uh, only in Qatar? Well, only in Qatar. This is this uh, when I saw this this stadium, it, I was amazed. Um, stadium nine seven four. When when I was when they were saying, oh, the games at Stadium nine seven four, I was going, what what are they talking about here? Um, it's a it's a temporary venue. It's made from 974 recycled shipping containers. Um, it's it's phenomenal. I've I've seen some photos of it and and the way that there's like lifts that are shipping containers moving up and down uh, between the levels. Um, it, it will be dismantled at the at the conclusion of the tournament. But is it's that, uh, is, that to, first... is that to send the, is that to send the fans and the players home one way? So you just make sure you stand in the right container and then they just pull it apart and ship them oh, home. Okay. 
I don't know how many <laughs> shipping containers they have in Qatar, but they've, they've got they've got people uh, living and and uh, you know staying overnight in shipping containers. They've built a stadium out of shipping containers. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who they've who they've they've knocked off a few ships in the uh, Suez Canal or something like that, and uh, and, and taken the containers. But yeah, just just phenomenal. When I saw that, I was I was just uh, astounded by uh, the way that stadium is built, and um, you know it would have been pretty cool to to go there. Mate, you've impressed me because I thought it was impressive in Australia that we were using shipping containers for pools. When people didn't want to go and get uh, it dug and use a fiberglass or a, or a concrete pool, they started using shipping containers. Now you're telling me there's a whole stadium here that hosts World Cup games. So you've got my vote here. I, I'm hoping that the the, uh, the listeners don't uh, side with you, but uh, I am very impressed. All right, and moving on to our final award, which is our VAR-VAR-NA, so our VAR and officiating stuff up. So it could be that uh, the referees had a, had a good one and the VARs then gone and stabbed him in the back, or it could be vice versa, but usually you don't get the two of them performing well at the same time. So there's normally a lot of nominations here. Uh, what have you got, VIG? Uh, yeah, look, mine comes from the, the Belgian-Canada game. Uh, last week, I thought Canada were phenomenal in that game. They, they deserved to get something out of it. The way they pressed and, and played... Uh, just the attacking mindset, the way they're set up to play, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, they got unlucky. They missed the, missed the penalty early on. Uh, Alfonso Davies, he's a, he's a phenomenal player and he's, he plays with a bit more freedom for the Canadian national team. Um, but it, it was in, in the second half, um, I think it was Richie Larea got into the box and Axel Witzel, clear, clear trip for me, steps on his ankle. Um, but, you know, it doesn't even, doesn't even go to the VAR. I don't know. What, what what's going on? I think oh, I did go to VR. I don't know what's going on. How can they how can they mess that up? And um, you know, for me, that was a clear penalty. And um, Canada deserves something from that game, the way they played. So you believe that cost Canada points? Yeah, look, it, it might have cost them a point or 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 three points. Um, they they had a bit of momentum at that stage, and um, they they really took it to to Belgium. Belgium were they were, they were running on 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 nothing. So, um, they had their backs to the wall, and and they scored a. a you know, pretty average goal from a, a direct pass. And yeah, the centre backs probably got caught out a little bit, but um, I don't think Canada, uh, sorry, I don't think Belgium deserved anything from that game. Mate, you are, as I say, the encyclopedia of football. So uh, you can have a good crack at this one. What do you think the VAR was doing? So was he in the wrong storage container? Was this at 974 or what? What was he doing? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, these, that's, this is why we have a VAR for, for these types of decisions like he's clearly studs stepped on his ankle he's tripped him over he's in the box uh that for me that ticks all the boxes for it should just be a penalty. Mass, shouldn't it one plus one yeah isn't it? it's it's a penalty it's <laughs> it's simple it's simple and and i don't know how um you know we can get something like that wrong all right, I'm going to counter your, uh, I think it was your save where you put in a dual uh, award simply because there's one here that I can't believe happened and the second one I just loved what happened in it. So I'm going to put in a dual nomination. So for me, it's a combination of uh, Wales and Hennessy's red card. So I don't know why they needed to call the VAR. His, uh, his knee collected the Iran player's head when trying to clear the ball. So it was uncoordinated and badly timed. Uh, and then what was stranger for me was a teammate following the referee to tell him what he thought of his uh, decision to give a yellow card. The referee told him to back off, so he stood with his hands behind his back, then shrugging as if to say, it's a, con- co- it's a coincidence we're going the same way. No, it's not. You're, both, you're following him over, giving me an earful. So when you say, look, I'm entitled to stand here, no, you're not. You can stand on the field. You don't have to follow me over to watch it on the little screen. So I just can't believe, fortunately for... Uh, for Iran, they got the decision right, but I can't believe it when you see him running through and next thing you know, he's been wiped out. 
the keeper hasn't got his hands anywhere near the ball and he's kneed him in the head. And then what a surprise, he gets sent off. So that's that's the first part for me. But the one that I really thought was just absolute shocker was, uh, and it was only two minutes into the tournament, so it hasn't taken VAR very long to get centre stage. But Ecuador's uh, Valencia's opening goal of the tournament in the first game against host Qatar. Within minutes of kickoff, his team had taken advantage of the home team's nerves at the back. But the referee asked the VAR to have a look and the goal was disallowed. Now, I'm still trying to figure out how the VAR can play Mario Kart and get a simple decision cor- incorrect, right? So how, how can you not? What else are you doing? Like, like I said, are you in the middle of doing the third lap to make sure that you win the tournament or in Mario Kart? What are you doing to, that you just can't possibly look at that and say, there's nothing here that I could even make up that would give this as an offside goal? Is it just to help out? It's a, like I said, it was the opening game of the, the, the World Cup. The home team hasn't lost in 92 years. It wasn't the right start. So you're thinking, look, I need to give them a hand here. Yeah, but there's a billion people watching. It's not like it's yeah. it's tennis against your mate and there's like one person watching and you go, or oh, the ball was out and it was clearly in. It's worldwide. Everyone's watching it. There's video replays, there's stoppages, there's social media. How can you get this wrong? Yeah, look, I don't know. I, I think uh, Sepp Blatter was uh, up in the uh, VAR, com- <laughs> VAR box. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe a few brown paper bags under under the table. But um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's unexplainable. I've, I've got nothing more to say. All right. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are and if you have anything else that, that you'd throw in there as uh, nominations. But we've both put in uh, our five nominations for each of the awards. Uh, on on each of the awards, we've done – one of us has had two cracks at it. So mine was in the VAR v- uh, va- nah, and yours was in the uh, best save. So maybe that's something we can keep going. Maybe we get a lucky dip where you can play two. If it gives you a bit yeah. of an advantage, maybe you can play two options. And if the listeners don't like your first, maybe they like your second or vice versa. So it gives you a double chance to try and pinch that award. But uh, next week we'll uh, we'll give you the results of that, and we'll also have another edition of our uh, our Peely Awards. But uh, it's now time for the end of our show, which is our clinical finish. So the first award we hand out in this clinical finish, or the only award we hand out in this finish, is our uh, WTF or our What the Foot Award. This one for me was really simple: Ghana's Assam uh, Os- Osman's Bakari's uh, troll of Cristiano Zoo goal celebration with his team trailing three two. Now. No disrespect to Bakari, but he's scored two international goals and about 20-plus career goals to date, and he's sitting there against the great, one of the greatest, if not greatest, goal scorers of all time who scores for fun, who is a weapon of mass destruction, and you could go and sit and troll him. I don't know what he did to you, mate, but it wasn't a smart move. Your team was losing 3-2. They end up losing 3-2. You got nothing out of the game, and you go and do that. There's already... I don't know, if you want to have a look, go go have a look, mate. If you don't know who Ronaldo is already, go look at his social pages and see how many fans he has. So I'm guessing these guys aren't following you, and if they are, they're going to unfollow you. So not a smart move. I was just thinking, what the foot? Very disrespectful and, and stupid on his behalf. It's nice to have... I think it was disrespectful. Um, you know, it's it's not like... Yeah, we're yeah we're all fans of of Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a phenomenal player, and um, you know if if that was me doing it on the weekend, it's you know sort of paying homage to to Ronaldo and and how good he is. But uh, when you're playing against uh, you know one of the greatest of all times, and to do that in his face, and you saw Ronaldo's reaction, it was it was kind of like, oh come on, man! Like, did you really just do that? So um, yeah, let's you know, well, it is what it is, but um, we we don't we don't need to see that. Yeah, it was was pretty poor form, wasn't it? All right, moving on to the A-League women's fixtures for this week. So the pick of the matches, the undefeated top-of-the-table clash between Adelaide and Western United, which is a very mouth-watering clash. City versus Raw, whom are both uh, 
having ex- experienced defeat this year is another uh, very enticing clash. And then you just can't go past the Sydney Derby uh, Wanderers hosting Sydney FC. Which one of those games do you like? Which one are you definitely going to be uh, getting in front of a TV for, VIG? Uh, look, look, the Derby 3pm uh, uh, Saturday Arvo out at Marconi Stadium, so uh, an iconic football ground um, in Australia. So, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're local, get out there and, and, and check it out because I think that'll be uh, probably the pick of the bunch. You're loving these local games, aren't you? I am, I am. I'm loving the the local sports ground. Um, you know, Macedonia Park in in uh, Perth was was brilliant. So, uh, looking forward to more of it. If they missed any part of the show, or they want to listen back to other episodes, or they want to hear our Peely Awards, uh, where can they catch it? Yeah, they can catch us on uh, all good podcast platforms: uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or uh, up on YouTube as well. We need to make sure we get plenty of this peerly footage so that the, the listeners don't think we're crazy or me me crazy and they uh, can see what we're talking about. It's very funny and, and considering now we are also a video show, it, uh, it will be a lot clearer for the for the listeners once they or, – and or the viewers once they do see that. But uh, plenty more World Cup ac- action coming our way this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show even half as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next week, uh, rise up and join the f- football revolution. Have a great week and we'll catch you then.